Welcome to the world of digital sound. The chewing gum's in already and we haven't even started yet. Hi guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is, uh, it's not the Ken Burton Show, is it? Not anymore. Pro Shipper. I guess we'll call it Pro Shipper, shall we? So... <laughs> It's the podcast story. Anyway, and um, uh, I must admit, I have been dying to tell this one for a little while now, but I had to check on a few things. <laughs> I really wanted to make sure that various people uh, were sort of okay with me talking about this. Anyway, uh, let's do the usual. All some, none of, parts of this podcast story may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide and leave your comments in the comments section, which will be on the intro video, which goes up on the ProShipper main channel, formerly known as the Ken Burton Show channel. Did you get all of that? Do you want me to write it down? Uh, right, okay. Um, oh, God, where do we start? <laughs> oh, first thing as well. Um, yeah, guys, I hate to do this, but we are now winding down, I think. We've got various things coming up and um i'm just you know from a from a financial point of view i can't really afford to be doing these when i could be doing other work and earning money i really can't i know that you you kind of think well it only takes an hour doesn't it you just sit in front of a microphone and talk no it doesn't actually i have to sit down and go through the board and just jot down everything that i remember and who was involved, who wasn't involved, go through and change the names, make sure it's got continuity to what's already happened before. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work involved in these, you know. It's, uh, it's a good sort of day and a half of prep before I actually record. So, you know, whilst these are going on, uh, I really, I'm not doing other things. And while I'm getting paid fucking peanuts for doing other things, because uh, I'm still looking for a full-time job, to be frank, but... Uh, whilst that's the case, I'm really not able to do any of these. So we're going to wind them down now. Let's say, I don't know what number this is, but let's probably do about another two or three more. Guys, if you haven't already downloaded them, I would start doing that now. Get into the, um, get into the website, start downloading all the podcasts that you want, because uh, I'd hate for the site to go down and for you guys to go, oh, fuck, I haven't listened to such and such. So anyway, guys, uh, that's what you ought to be doing. And uh, you can always hit that donate button and that'll keep it going longer. You know, if um, if a day and a half of my work, if of my time, you know, editing crap for somebody or, or doing somebody's messed up social media is worth 250 quid, then, you know, It'd be nice if, but, you know, that's probably not going to happen, to be honest. But, hey, what can I tell you? So uh, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Anyway, guys, um, podcast story this week is talking about, <laughs> talking about Karen. Oh, God, I've changed Karen's name. All right. I had to change Karen's name. I had no choice in changing Karen's name. I absolutely had to. And uh, this was kind of a little bit of a weird one really it was yeah, it was it was a little bit of a i don't know it was 1983 which as you know was a different time it was a different era um people were different attitudes were different you know uh the way 
the way that people could speak was different because all of this political correctness was uh, non-existent back in 83. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to refer to a foreigner as a foreigner, then you were allowed to do so. If you wanted to refer to a woman as that bird, no one would take offence. But these days, it just is just crazy. It really is politically screwed. So anyway, just bear in mind that we're talking about a different time here. And uh, it was just, you know, it was. It was just a, a different life. Back in 1983, um, one of the guys that I kind of was on the fringes of doing a bit of work for he was he was uh part of the family sort of and if you don't know who the family are download the other podcasts he was part of the other family or he was fag end family anyway and um i think as i remember correctly he wasn't actually involved in anything dodgy he was um he was quite legit i can't remember if he was an accountant could have been an accountant or a junior lawyer, something like that. Anyway, he, he handled a lot of their stuff. So anyway, uh, this guy had a daughter called Karen. And Karen was a bitch. She was a bitch. Yes, she had brains in her head and mummy and daddy had got a few quid and got a big house, you know. But she, she did insist sometimes on coming down the pub that we were in with her mates from, you know, sixth form. And uh, they were just such a posh bunch of wankers, really. <laughs> oh, Karen, how can you possibly be drinking with this low life? <laughs> and we used to ignore her, you know, but she used to, like, show off to her mates and just say, oh, you know, my dad's a bit of a gangster. These are all his people sort of thing. <laughs> we were like... Fuck off. <laughs> Nothing to do with you, you dumb bitch. Anyway, um, this one particular day, right, uh, we were in the pub and this guy, her dad, came in and he said, I've been talking to, uh, we'll call him Roger, we'll call to, I've been talking to Roger. Now, Roger was... Roger was basically our contact for the family. If they wanted anything done, it'd be Roger that would get in touch with us, low life, you know. Fag end mafia. <laughs> we were the support crew. Um, so, you know, he, he said to me, anyway, I've, I've spoken to Roger, and uh, uh, I wonder uh, if you would mind uh, doing me a little favour. Rod, Roger said it'd be okay. Roger said it would, Ken. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, doing me a little favour. Ah, oh, uh, so, uh, what what do you want me to do? He said, "Well, I can't, I can't really talk about it here. I wonder if you, maybe you could um, maybe come to the house, come to the house." Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I said, "Just me." I said, "Well, well, yes, actually, just you, yeah." Okay, Koki. So the following night, I went to his house about six o'clock, and uh, he lived. Oh. <coughs> Voice went a bit high then. He lived in a relatively nice house. It was on the Kenilworth Road uh, in Coventry, and there were all nice houses on Kenilworth Road. And he'd drink on them. Mm. Um, yeah, there were all nice houses on Kenilworth Road. Some right gangsters lived there, though, to be honest. And uh, uh, found his house, drove in, gates went, 
it was a bit of overkill really having electric gates i mean his drive was only about you know 100 yards i mean it's not as if he had a family estate or anything anyway so i parked the car got out went in and uh he was like how dare ken how bloody hell i uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, do you know my Do you know my daughter Karen? Do you know Karen? Yes, I know Karen. <laughs> oh, this is my wife. Hello, darling. How lovely to meet you. Oh, hello. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we all went into the lounge, the lounge, and had tea. And uh, he went on to explain to me how his daughter's off to university. Lovely, lovely Karen, his pride and joy, his only daughter, is off to university in Edinburgh. Oh, really? How lovely for us all. And um, he wanted somebody, basically, to uh, be her eyes and ears. Just just go up there for a few days, just shadow her, and just make sure that she was okay. The parents were going up to drop her off. And um, I don't know, you know, what else you do, but she had digs in a house not very far away and it was a shared house with some other people and these parents were a little bit concerned they were overly concerned to be honest and they, they said would you mind just actually said, would you mind would you would you mind awfully just just going up there for a few days and just make sure that these people she's moving in with are not complete bloody rapists you know oh right okay um yeah don't see why not don't see why not what what uh uh how do you want me to play it so oh very simple very simple we'll take karen up on the sunday and uh we'll get her settled in and all that and then if you come up on the sunday night and uh just kind of move your stuff into the house and then, you know, kind of stick around maybe two or three days, a week at most, and just make sure everything's, you know, pretty much okay. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, can, <laughs> fine, okay. Oh, of course you get paid. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, Roger's told me, you know, how much. Um, yeah, sure, I can do that. I think I can do that. Um, right, so plans were made, arrangements were made. And I won't give away the name of the house. <laughs> Or the street that the house was in in Edinburgh, but what a delightful place! Architecture of Edinburgh is fantastic. I went up there on the Sunday night and uh, found the house, nice parking space, and uh, knocked on the door. I've got a rucksack on my back. I hadn't really got much with me. Some guy answered the door and went, "Hello." <laughs> And I went, hello. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm looking for Karen. And he went, oh, Karen, yes. You must be Ken. <laughs> yes. Oh, Ken, come in. Right, okay. So we went in the house and uh, this guy, who was absolutely charming, delightful chap, um, said, you know, Karen's you know gone off to do something at the university she had to hand in something or other but uh she's not going to be you know more than half an hour here's your room here's where you'll be staying and all this lot and uh we'll you know get yourself settled in come down for a cup of tea when you want so uh i went upstairs to my to the room put my shit away found a nice place to uh 
going to park my um, <laughs> park my Sig Sauser. I don't know why I took a gun. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, it just seemed like it was a good idea at the time. Anyway, um, so I went down and uh, just someone coming down the stairs, door went. Now this this house, right, this was a Victorian house. And you walk in the front door and there, there's uh, like a little corridor. And on the left-hand side are a set of stairs going up. And then straight on is a kitchen. And then to the right is a living room. And uh, then there's another door. And that's kind of... It's kind of a table, some chairs. I mean, it's not a dining room table as such. But anyway. And then, you know, this place had got like four bedrooms in it. So one of the guys uh, that was going to share this house, he wasn't going to be moving in until the following week. So it's his room that I was occupying, which was uh, more of a cupboard, actually. (laughs) But they all had locks on the doors, which I thought was nice. So anyway, um, went down the stairs, went in the lounge. uh, No one in there, went in the kitchen. And Karen's in there. Uh, This guy's in there. Hello, that guy. <laughs> There's another bloke, and I was like, uh, "Hi, Karen. Uh, how's it going?" She went, "Oh yeah, it's all right." I said, "Yeah, it's all right." Right, okay. Uh, and uh, she introduced me to this other bloke, and he was <laughs> he was from London's East End, and <laughs> how he was going to be understood by the Scottish guy, I don't know. They spoke two different languages. Oh, mate, how's he fucking going? You hey, down the Upland Pears. Whoa, give it some of that. Oh, yeah. And the other guy's like, what's he saying? I don't... What is he saying? I cannot understand him. All right, okay. So, anyway. So, uh, we grabbed a cup of tea, went in the front room, turned telly on, and uh, we had to sit down and... They were talking about various things that they were going to be doing and there's clubs to join and there's things and faculty, all sorts of things they were going to be doing. And it's really important to get a uh, something with a particular professor. And it was kind of like an internship thing. I don't know what you call it, but they were talking about it anyway. And then the subject turned to me and Cockney Boy said, uh, oh, is that right then? You were a bit of a, you know, bit of a man, bit of a, bit of a player, like. Is that? And you, you like up here to fucking make sure Karen is like fucking all right, and you know, you know, you know what I mean, mate. You know what I mean. And, <laughs> and this this Scottish guy hadn't heard this. Obviously, Karen must have told the other bloke in the car. Well, this other guy is like, really? So what? You're you're not university. You're sort of a a protector. I said, well, look, my mum and dad are a little bit uh, protective and they just want to make sure that Karen's in a nice place. She's okay. That's all, really. And Karen's going, oh, I know. They're like such wankers. Oh, God. So embarrassed. Uh, Right, okay. (laughs) I have to use the female generic voice for this. Sorry. And uh, this guy was fascinated by it. He was like, so... Are you like some martial arts person, or like just a fisticuffs hard man? I said neither, mate, neither. I'm just, you know, I'm just here to make sure Karen's okay. And he's like, "There's something about you. I think you're ex-military. 
I don't, no, I'm, I'm not. He said, I, I, I get it. You kind of talk about it. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I know where you're coming from. Yeah. So we went on and he was just fascinated by me. Now, I've put on a bit of a camp <laughs> voice for this guy. But he, he came across as being camp, but he definitely wasn't gay. Uh, because, as I found out later, he would chat to any bird in a skirt. He would fuck a sauce bottle if it was wearing a skirt. Uh, anyway, so we had a bit of a conversation and then uh, Karen said, uh, right, I'm going out, I'm going to go find the pub. Yeah. And uh, the other guys go, oh, I am fucking up for that. Ooh, some of that. Give it a pub like. Ooh. And uh, no, he didn't quite talk like JX23. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> sorry, JX, I'm sorry. You'll never listen to this anyway. Um, so, but that's, uh, it wasn't, I went, yeah, I went mind a bit. Uh, what do you think then, Fraser? I'm going to call him Fraser. <laughs> His name wasn't Fraser. And he's like, hey, sounds like just the thing. <laughs> so we all trots off and we went down a local boozer, right? Now, uh, th- this pub, particularly oldie worldy, it kind of had brasses and all sorts of things. And, you know, it was... It was just lovely. I mean, this pub was just lovely. The, the, but all of the architecture was. I mean, uh, I don't know if I just went to the wrong places or what, but or the right places, because all the architecture that I saw was really good. And even these Victorian terraced houses, you know, they were, they were amazing. And, uh, you know, it j- just reminded me of, like, Coventry going back to uh, the war, before the war, when Coventry was obviously bombed, and uh, they rebuilt a lot of the houses and put high-rises in and all that sort of stuff. There was a lot of Victoria housing in those days. And I was actually born in a Victorian house, in a terrace Victorian house in Coventry. Uh, but like all of the Victorian houses in Coventry, it's very, very run down. Whereas Edinburgh, it all seemed like it had had a lot of money spent on it. And even the Victorian houses had all been restored. Certainly the area we were in. Maybe we were just in a posh area, I don't know. But uh, it just seemed like everything had been restored. It was a really nice place. So anyway, uh, this pub was really, really impressive. I mean, it, it just was. And uh, the staff were really friendly. The people in there were really friendly. And, uh, you know, they, they also were university people, quite a few of them, higher echelons of uh, society, I would imagine. But anyway, um, I don't know what sort of people go to Edinburgh University, whether, you know, those that can't get into Oxford. I, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case. I think it's just, you know, it was just a nice place, just was a nice place. I'd been to Oxford. I'd, I'd spent quite a lot of time in Oxford. Um, and uh, a, a good friend of mine had a, he had a massive fucking problem in Oxford. And me and about five other guys were in Oxford for about three months on and off, uh, trying to sort this issue out with him. But anyway, um, so I know I got to know Oxford really well. And Edinburgh just reminded me of that. It just did, you know. And I, I, I just assumed, because it was my first trip, I just assumed Edinburgh is going to be a shithole. Edinburgh is going to be, you know, guys coming out of pubs at nine o'clock in the morning, pissed and swearing at people. Hey, you're in a fight, you fucking, you know. Uh, But it wasn't, it just wasn't like that at all or in the slightest. 
And uh, like I said, I mean, you know, maybe it is the case that I just didn't go the right places. <laughs> it's, it's very possible. I don't know. So anyway, um, we were in the pub and uh, Karen is talking to some people uh, that she'd already met and put Chingham back in. Hmm, lovely. And, um, you know, so is this other guy, Cockney boy. Dan South. And uh, then Fraser is chatting away as well to me. And we've got a table and we're, you know, we're just having a nice drink. And uh, the guy, the funny thing is, do you know what the strangest thing happened? <laughs> I've just remembered it, actually. And I remember thinking it was really strange at the time. But there was a barmaid, right? And uh, she, where our table was, the bar was really close to it. And the barmaid was just washing glasses. And a guy at the table next to me said, uh, excuse me, love, can I have a cup of tea? And she looked at him and she, she kind of went, a cup of tea? Hey, of course. And she went off. And uh, it was, I don't know how to describe it. That, that doesn't do it justice. She went off, came back with a tray, teapot, tea, all the rest of it. And then she poured this guy a cup of tea. And she took amazing pride in making this man a cup of tea you know and it was as if it was as if it was a competition for the best ever tea maker in the world and she just took so much pride in what she was doing and i thought that's that's like really amazing and bizarre i don't i don't understand it if you are scottish is it a thing in scotland that you know for a woman to be able to make a bloody good cup of tea is a big blue or green tick in her I was going to say in her box <laughs> a green green tick on her uh, resume you know hey this girl could make tea really make tea lovely uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know but somebody's got to explain to me so anyway uh, we're all chatting away and we're messing around doing stuff and uh it's you know me and Fraser are getting on like a house on fire what a top man two girls walk in one of them's got the shortest fucking skirt on you've ever seen the weather wasn't that great and uh Fraser was like Ken excuse me I'll be back in the mall <laughs> he got up went to the bar put his arm around both of these girls went in the middle of them and uh it was like can I buy you ladies a drink <laughs> And he did. He bought them a drink. And, you know, they went and, you know, sat down at another table. And uh, he then came over to me and he said, uh, I didn't want to impose the ladies on you, but they've asked us to join them at their table. <laughs> right, OK, then, Fraser. Fuck's sake. So we went over and talked to these girls. And Fraser... Well, by this point, he's bullshitting, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And because one of these girls said, um, so what do you do? I said, oh, a little bit of everything, really. And uh, Fraser went, he's a minder. And she went, I'm oh, sorry. He's a minder. He's here looking after Karen. A minder? What's a minder do? <gasps> what do you mean minder? Like minder? Like sort of... You know, you like the TV program, you know? Ask the Daily. A minder. Well, that's <laughs> not quite, but, you know, um, I'm 
I'm just here looking after Karen. Oh my god, that's really impressive. I've never met a minder before. <laughs> I'm being quizzed then by the three of them about being a minder. For fuck's sake, I'm only up here kind of keeping an eye on the girl, making sure she doesn't get raped on her first night. So her and uh, Cockney uh, are still at the other table talking to these other people that they've met. And uh, I don't know what it is. Some They were talking way above my head, so I didn't really understand it. And um, uh, we got somehow onto the subject of one of these girls having been somewhere to study the Renaissance. And, uh, you know, then she'd come up to Edinburgh to do something else. And then she was going off to the Sorbonne or something, you know. So daddy's obviously got a shitload of money. And she was going off to a finishing school. And then I was quite intrigued by that. And I was like, how, how, what happens at one of these finishing schools? Do you, do you kind of just get finished off, polished, if you like? <laughs> and then they send you back. <laughs> well... Uh, the jokes were funny. The night was funny. We were having a good time. And then Karen got up and uh, went over to some guy who had been pointed out by the other bloke. And I got one eye on what was going on uh, because that's what I was there for, after all. And she went over to this guy and uh, he said something to her. And then he wrote something down and gave it to her. Um, it was a piece of paper. So I'm like, right, okay, never mind. She's asked the guy for his number, fine, slag. And uh, we then all went back to the house. And we had a good few beers at the house, and the two girls had come with us. And then I turned in for the night, and Fraser turned in for the night with one of the girls. (laughs) And uh, Cockney, 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 uh, was in his room and uh, Karen was on the sofa in the front room uh, because she wanted to take the sofa. So, I don't know. Don't ask me why. But anyway, I'm trying to remember why she took the sofa. Oh, yeah, that girl's, the girl slept in her room. Right, okay, so that's pointless, but it clears it up. Now, the best part of... Half midnight, I would have said. I heard somebody stirring downstairs. And I thought, dirty bastard Cockney is on top of Karen. I better go and warn him off. So I went downstairs and there was only Karen there. And she was dressed. And then I heard a taxi pull up. And I thought, that's interesting. I said, Karen, where are you going? He said, oh, I'm just going out for for an hour or so. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back. I said, well, if you're going out for an hour, I'm coming with you. He said, look, Ken, you, no. Right, no. I've just got to go somewhere, pick something up. I'll be back. It's for college. I said, well, why do you need to go at half past midnight? Said, look, I just need to go and collect this, all right? I'm not explaining myself to you. I just need to go and do it. Now, you know, I'll be back. I said, I'll tell you, sweetheart, I'm coming with you. So she's like, oh, fuck's sake. All right, you come with me, but you stay in the cab. Okie dokie. Um, we went off for a little drive. We ended up by the dock, which uh, in Edinburgh is, um, it's not very far away, actually. I mean, the, the, 
there's a it's actually got a port right you know there there is like a port basin to it and a entrance and a few other things and you know it's it's just one of these places and it's quite sort of industrial it's industrialized but that area was absolutely crawling with low life with hookers on street corners not that there were many street corners there were groups of hookers stood together and i was like what the fuck and the taxi stopped and the taxi driver said are you sure you want to get out here love that's not the best place for a girl to be on her own and i was like don't worry mate i've got a so i said karen whatever the fuck this is can it wait until at least daylight and she was no no it won't take a minute and she got out she went over to a guy holding a piece of paper in her hand and then there was an exchange of cash versus a packet and i thought you fucking stupid bitch she just bought drugs she just bought a fucking pack of drugs oh for christ's sake she got back in the cab i got back in the cab i was by the door and i said can you take us back to where you got us from mate and the cab driver went hey hey no problem and i said to her do you want to hand that over now so i can chuck it out the fucking window she went you piss off mate i've just paid 50 pounds for this and she said it's nothing just something i need for college I said, Karen, I know a fucking drug dealer when I see one. All right? I just know. So, anyway. We went back to the... uh, (laughs) Went back to the house. Um, Karen said she was going to bed. She wouldn't hand hand the packet over. And I thought, well, fuck it. It, She's going off to college tomorrow. So, while she's at college, I'm going to do her fucking room and the front room and find every hidey hole in this place and see where she's hidden it following day i did exactly that i searched the place uh her dad phoned at about 10 o'clock and uh i lied to him and told him everything was fine and can i tell you uh i uh, misplaced loyalty i should have fucking told him i should have told him and maybe something would have been done about it at that point but no no decided to wimp out kind of sitting back and do something stupid like that so anyway uh we were christ we were messing around i was messing around for the the day in the flat in the house um i watched some tv had a little kip and I went off to meet Karen at three o'clock at the university and uh, collected her and brought her back to the house and uh, the boys weren't ready to come back apparently they still had stuff to do but I brought Karen back uh, we sat in the house and we had a complete fucking bust up massive bust up and she was like a different person to the girl that I knew completely different person and she all of a sudden turned into the stupidest fucking bitch i had ever met she was at one point i told her i told her straight i'd tell her dad if she ran over the packet and then she offered to blow me if i 
kept quiet about it. Oh, fuck's sake. So anyway, I just kind of tried to persuade her, tried to persuade her, and then she told me she got rid of it. <clears throat> so it didn't matter anyway. And I, I thought, you lying fuck. You, you didn't get rid of it at all, you lying fuck. But can't prove, prove otherwise, so I better just shadow her. Two days after that, uh, we are all in our rooms. And uh must have been, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, probably. I heard the door go. And by the time I got downstairs, it was too late. She was gone. In a taxi, she's fucking off again. So I called the taxi and... Uh, whilst I was waiting for that to arrive, it didn't take very long. I was really, really contemplating phoning a mum and dad. Taxi arrived just before I was about to pick the phone up, and uh, I <laughs> I got in the taxi and went down to the same place where this deal had happened. And I, I said uh, to the taxi driver, look, you know, the situation is there's a girl I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on. She's sneaked out. She's with one of your mates in a cab. She's gone down to uh, the shit hole by the dock. And he knew exactly where I was talking about straight away. Oh, right, you mean Salamander? Hey. I said, wherever you call it, mate, that's where I need to go. And I need to find her and uh, just make sure she's okay. And then I stuck an extra 20 in his hand. And uh, I said, just stick with me. Because I need to get out of there in a hurry. And anyway, we went there. In the interim, this taxi driver had got on his radio. And um, contacted his mate. And said, uh, basically, you know, is there, is there anyone in Salamander? And... Uh, Guy come back and said, I am waiting with some girl here. Just tell me where you're at. What's your 20? And, you know, all this sort of stuff. And uh, as we pulled in down the street, see the other taxi, and uh, we parked behind it. She's not in it. So I got out. I said, "Uh, Can you hang on, mate? And he said, Hey, but if I I get hairy, mate, I'm off. Right, yeah, that's fair enough. So anyway, I'd, I went to um, the first group of girls that I found. I said, look, do you see where that girl that could just get out of that taxi went? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, she's she's with such and such. Um, and she, they actually referred to this guy as Black. She's with She's with Black. And uh, I said, you know, who's black? He said, oh, he's a local dealer or whatever. Are you not a police, are you? And, no, 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 fuck's sake. I'm sorry, I'm meant to be looking after her. You're not doing a very good job, eh, if she's with black. Oh, fuck's sake. So anyway, I said, where are they going to be? He said, uh, throw that alley over there. I went down this alley. And this guy, black, is fucking carrying against a wall.
And I said to him, do you want to put that away, mate, before I snap the fucker off? And he was like, who the fuck are you? You know, big nasty fucker. And he wasn't black, he was white. <laughs> Why they called him black. Um, I wonder if that's what he used to deal. I wonder if that was what he was known for. Because there, wasn't there a drug called black at one time? Anyway. Um, so, she, Karen, told me to fuck off. And Mr. Black wasn't all that happy that I was there. And I said, Karen, you get the fuck in the car now. Or I'm going to be, you know, calling your parents as soon as I can. And she stormed kind of past me. And he came up to me, this guy. And he said, you have just spoiled my fun, mate. That doesn't happen to me. You don't know where you are, son. And I was like, I know where you are. And I know where to find you again if this happens again. And then I started to walk away thinking, if I hear footsteps behind me, if he comes at me, I've really got to fucking go at him real quick because he's a big fucker. And the only way I'm going to take this guy down is to either play dirty or play cheap. Either kick him in his bollocks, stick my knee in his face, really fucking damage him big time. And then that way, at least, he's not going to fucking hunt me. I didn't know if he had maybe a knife on him or, or what. We were really lucky. We got back to the taxes. Nothing. And uh, <laughs> off we went. Back to the house. And I said to her when we got back, I said, what time are you in college tomorrow? She says, I'm not in tomorrow until about two o'clock. I said, you don't leave this fucking house. All right? You and I are going to talk. And the end of that conversation is either going to be you stop being a stupid bitch or I make a fucking phone call. And um, she agreed. Well, morning broke. Um, I went downstairs, grabbed a coffee, went in the front room, no Karen. Went upstairs, knocked on the door. Go away. said, Karen, you and I are going to have a conversation. No, not now, we ain't, not now. Fucking hell. So I waited downstairs. Sure enough, about 11 o'clock she comes down. And blazing row. And uh, Fraser was in. And Fraser came downstairs. And he's like, what's going on? What's all the noise? And I, I said, well, Fraser, you better, you better have the knowledge that your housemate here has been down some place called Salamander scoring fucking drugs for sex and he was like I thought his eyes were going to pop out of his head Karen that's you you and Salamander what the fuck so he starts having a go at her I'm having a go at her he's having a go at her Cockney boy comes down what is he going what, what? so I told Cockney boy and he's like Oh, he's a girl, girl's over 18, you know? She didn't want to fuck. She wants fucked sake. What are you getting fucking involved in it for? Fucking hell, mate. And uh, I'm trying to tell Cockney Boy to keep his nose out. He said, look, my job here this week is to make sure she survives one week up here. 
after that I'm going to be going down south again and she is on her own so she has to get this either out of her system and fucking sort herself out or she won't be staying here past next week and anyway Fraser's having a go at her I'm having a go at her Cockney's having a go at me Cockney's having a go at Fraser me and Fraser having a go at Cockney everybody storms off everybody goes back to the rooms Karen goes off to uh, uni and uh, she comes back probably about six o'clock and she then gives me some big lecture about how I ought to behave myself that she could say anything and that that could be really really bad for me and I was like what do you mean and she said I could tell my dad that you were just up here getting pissed every night you didn't pay attention to me at all I could tell him that I was sexually assaulted uh, somewhere and that I'd asked you begged you to come with me and you didn't come I said and that's what you do is it I said if you force my hand then I will so just do your week and then fuck off <laughs> fuck it out right and I thought that'll do this is a phone call so the phone was in the dining room and I went into the dining room picked the phone up and she came in I said no 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 don't 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 phone him don't phone don't phone don't phone and started pleading again and uh she said give me another day just to settle down and then she gave me some big speech about how she's a single girl in a new city and you know just was showing off just being a dick right okay let's give her another day wrong by about 8 o'clock that night she was out sneaked out door got closed really quietly I was in my room didn't even know she'd fucking gone uh, but I knew where she'd gone I was just about to call a taxi so I could go down there and uh, <laughs> taxi pulled up outside she got out and then she had a big fucking grin on her face and I was like what the fuck and then she came in and said I told you, I warned you stay the fuck out of my life you want to get involved in my life you pay the price and she walked straight past me and I thought what the fucking hell is this and then about 20 minutes later there's a knock on the door and there's two blokes there Fraser answers the door and the two blokes were like we're looking for somebody called Ken and Fraser's Ken, I, I don't, I don't know if he's in. Let, let me just find out. Now Fraser knew I knew nobody in Scotland, so why are these two gadgets trying to find me? He came upstairs, knocked the door, and he said, "Ken, there's two fucking bruises at the door. They're looking for you." And I'm like, "Fair enough." So, <laughs> what could I do? Pulled, pulled my piece from in my bag, which was under the bed cocked it, loaded it, back of the belt walked down I was stood on the bottom step 
and these two guys are like is that you then you're kin like, yes mate hey we've got a little uh, something to give you but it's in the car so I thought yeah I know exactly what's waiting for me in your car I said and what if uh, what if I don't want your little gift and the guys the guy looked at me and he said oh you're going to get it son you're going to get my little gift just get your fucking self out to the car you don't want anything to happen in this nice house now do you and I pulled the piece from the back of my fucking trousers stuck it in this guy's face and said do you really want me to redecorate with your fucking brains I mean I will if you want me to I really don't mind both of these guys absolutely fucking shocked both of them hands in the air alright 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 we're going alright alright it's no problem fucking hell it's a mistake it's a mistake and I was just like it fucking better be I said look guys you want to start a war I'll make a phone call get 30 blokes up here we'll come down to fucking Salamander we'll find Mr Black and you fuckers and we will make sure that you end up swimming face down for a very long time do you understand me and these guys like hey hey it's alright it's alright and they went back to the car Fraser is stood behind me and he is like that as the coolest thing I have ever fucking seen in my life and I was like Fraser to be honest man there is <laughs> there is nothing cool about what I just did I've either just started a fucking war or I've just bought myself a fucking one way ticket to a watery grave one or the other so I said alright and I went in the front room and I was still holding the gun and Karen's like what have you done I said you stupid fucking bitch you stupid bitch anyway I went uh, went into the dining room picked the phone up Karen came in I said to Fraser get her the fuck out of here and he did I phoned Roger and I explained to Roger what was going on and I said Roger how do you want me to handle this do you want me to just pop this guy black or you know do you want to send some backup up here for you know do you, do you want to get some guys in to do the job how do you want to play this I don't think I offered to pop him actually but anyway and Roger said give me half an hour and I will phone you back <clears throat> sure enough half an hour later phone rings I spoke to her mum and dad she's going to be out of Edinburgh uh, in the next few hours there are some people on the way can you go and uh, just make sure that she doesn't have a problem between now and when the boys arrive and I said uh who are you sending? He said, um, a couple of your friends and uh, a couple of mine. Right, fair enough. So anyway, we, we, we're we in the house and Cockney Boy by this point has realised the severity of the situation and he is like, fuck, I am not fucking happy about this. You fucking come up here. You cause a rat with a local fucking gangster and now, right now, this house could be subject to a fucking drive-by and you know, had could put a rocket in the fucking door. 
and I, I'm like dude just best thing you can do is just go to your room stay there she's going to be out of here shortly and uh, I will be out of here shortly so we'll be sorted and then Fraser quite rightly pointed out that with all of us gone when the door rings it's more than likely him and Cockney are going to take the kick in and we were like yeah and there wasn't anything we could do about that and he asked if we could stick around for a while afterwards for the day and just make sure that there was nothing you know no retaliatory whatever's going to happen so uh, we couldn't we just we couldn't and we told him you know that the, the best thing he can do is just find another place to live just find somewhere else to rent with you know some other people and just get the fuck out of this house this area and stay out of this area salamander and uh he agreed and cockney agreed and neither one of them would we're gonna stay at that house anyway uh she little fucking madam was doing a nut and uh <laughs> we were all having a go at her and I asked her so what did you do then did you pay these guys to come and fucking take me out or did you just blow him or open your fucking legs for him how did you pay him off for this and apparently um, apparently she offered to work for him for a little while over uh, during the weekends to up her money her allowance that her parents had given up which was in, in all fairness enough to live on but she thought if she could do some hooking at the weekends fucking hell and this is supposed to be a, a well brought up educated lady who is going to end up in the Sorbonne fuck's sake well uh, I just completely washed my hands of her I said, look, we've got a few hours to kill until the boys get here. And anybody comes through that door in the next few hours and shit's going to start happening, okay? You better pray that your fucking boyfriend isn't going to hit until after dark. And you've got to pray that your boyfriend doesn't turn up here with a fucking bazooka in his hand. Three hours went by. And we're all packed, Right. we've all packed our shit and we're all going to go somewhere else and uh, Fraser had made a phone call he got somewhere else a mate he could stay with and Cockney uh, was going to go and sleep on somebody's sofa until you know he could find somewhere else and they're, they're really not impressed with Karen and I'm not impressed with Karen and then the first of the cars pull up Car pulls up, four guys get out. I'm looking out the bedroom window down the street. There's another car down to the left with four four guys in it. Car to the right with four guys in it. And the four guys that have got out the car have gone round the back of the house. Um, basically through an alleyway. And uh, I went to the back and there was a short it's quite a small garden in these terraced houses 
um, fences at either side <clears throat> and at the back was a brick wall and the gate and I kept seeing these guys poking their heads over the wall and I'm thinking oh, fuck's sake if all of these guys are told you're looking at oh, Christ knows I, I by this point spotted I don't know eight twelve um and there's probably another four. So, you know, you're looking at 16 guys, all potentially tooled. And the phone rings. And uh, I grabbed it. And it was my mate. And he said to me, we're about two miles away from where you are, we think. Can you just confirm where you are that we can get there off this main street? And I was like, are you with a crew? And he's, yeah. I said, dude, you need to fucking hurry. There's at least 16 guys here, either parked up or at the back of the property. And I don't know if these guys are told, untold. I don't know. I said, I'm I'm in situ. I'm told. We're sort of okay. But if these guys come in en masse, we're not going to be. Gotcha. So, phone went down. Guys started to climb over the back wall, come to the back door. Four guys got out the car that was at the front and uh, came towards the front of the house, started banging on the door. And they were shouting and trying to put the door in. Well, part of this house being rented was uh, security and Karen's old man had insisted on it and all the locks were changed at his expense and uh, the doors had proper bolts on which were all in situ so there was no way that these guys were going to fucking do it they weren't going to get through so we kind of figured that the windows were going to go through any minute and we're kind of sitting back and just thinking you know wait for it because if a petrol bomb comes through the window and we were planning the skate routes we were planning you know which way we'd go what we'd do and uh, the plan was that if something came through the window at the back then what we'd do is we'd lob half a mag out through the front door and then open the door and run out that way if it came in the front we'd do the same at the back so anyway, I heard a couple of beeps on a horn and it was the nicest sound I'd ever heard in my life. I was so fucking grateful. The boys um, pulled up in four or five cars. A whole shitload of them got out. They were all weapons drawn. And they acted like they were police on a raid. And they pointed the guns at these guys that were trying to get in the house. Uh, four or five guys were around the back, went over the wall. And the way that they were acting was police standard practice. It was all this, uh, get on the ground, get on the ground, show me your hands, get on the ground. 
and that's you know exactly what they did and a couple of the neighbours came out and the boys shouted police get back in your house get back in your house and uh, one of the one car went speeding off and that was one of the cars their cars with four guys in it and another screecher brakes and another car went off the other direction and we undid the bolts on the doors and we got out we went past these guys and we got out one of the guys that was at the front door was Mr Black I recognised him although he didn't have his dick out I still recognised him and as I went past him I pointed the gun in his face and said you don't know how lucky you are sunshine and then I kicked him very very squarely in the side of his chest and then we got into various cars Karen was practically thrown into the back of her fucking car and we went off with the screecher brakes all the guys checking behind us to make sure that there wasn't a problem we were driving for perhaps five minutes ten minutes I think we got as far as uh, a park area and uh, some place with a golf course and one of the cars or one of our guys was waiting there all of the weapons got put into his car and uh, we all drove off now the idea of that is that if somebody reported us license plates or whatever when the cops did stop us we're just a bunch of guys in cars we're not, you know, there's no weapons in there if anyone saw a gun they were exaggerating Uh, and that car went off in a different direction to us and we set the long journey home and it took us hours literally hours and it was one of the longest journeys ever and when we got back the car that had Karen in it went straight off to uh, meet up with Roger car that had me in it um, went straight back to my flat and the guy that jumped out and jumped in my car in Edinburgh well he was driving that back different direction as well and that that arrived about 20 minutes after we got back anyway we got some we got a phone call Christ two three hours after we were back and it was Roger and he just said Karen is spinning a shitload of lies he said the thing is we know she's lying she reckons that you caused the problem with this guy and that he basically came around to take you out and your actions put her in harm's way and I said to him here's a telephone number ring this guy and so he did and the number I gave him was Fraser and I also gave him Cockney's number 
but he only needed to phone Fraser. She ended up at a boarding school somewhere well away from anybody I knew, well away from blokes. And uh, we were very nicely thanked by her parents for saving their daughter. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe she would have taken this life of part-time prostitution and hanging around with low-life pieces of shit like that guy. <laughs> it's really weird. She she seemed to play a part, you know. And looking at it now, I guess um, you would determine that there was mentally something wrong with her. Uh, some sort of attention-seeking from the early days of a bringing her mates into the pub to oh, look at the look at the low life my dad employs uh, to you know being a prostitute drug taker I mean I, I didn't know she was a drug taker I don't give a shit really so anyway um, we got paid I got paid and I <laughs> very candidly informed uh, Karen's old man that I never wanted anything to do with his daughter ever again and if ever there was a situation that needed sorting out that he was likely to call on the family for and he did quite a lot after that they should count me out I'd done my bit I think they understood that and it wasn't worth the money, to be frank. Fraser, on the other hand, was. <laughs> I stayed in touch with him. We used to phone each other about once a week, once every couple of weeks. He came down to Coventry. Um, I I met him up in Manchester, actually, once. Um, and No, just outside Manchester. And uh, I knew Fraser right up until he graduated then passed that and then uh, when I think the last time I spoke to him we kind of we started to lose touch and he was he was going his own way I was I was going my way but we started to lose touch and then uh, he phoned me and told me that he'd uh, basically got a fantastic placement um, that really he couldn't turn down but it was in Canada. So he went off to Canada. I don't know. You know, if you know anyone Scottish in Canada <laughs> that went to Edinburgh University, ask him if he knows me. <laughs> so I never heard from Cockney again. Um, <clears throat> didn't ever speak to him again. We did, however, uh, get an invite probably about Christ, five years after that, to Karen's wedding. <laughs> we didn't go. <laughs> we didn't want to go. But um, she was marrying uh, some guy who was kind of roughly fag-end in the family. I think it was a 
second or third cousin of a second or third cousin. It was quite distant, but it was still family. And I think more than likely this guy had been selected for her. He was a lot older than she was. And he was a bit of a tough bastard. <laughs> Probably the only person that could handle her. Oh, dear. So anyway, um, Karen's story. Our life, her life in Edinburgh for what it was lasted about a week I still maintain that Edinburgh is one of the nicest places I've ever been to <laughs> despite the fact that a few people wanted to kill me um, but I have that effect on people <laughs> especially back then there's always some fucker trying to kill me Oh, God. This has been the podcast story. This has been Ken. I'll see you on the dark side. You all take care now. Welcome to the world of digital sound.